Anecdotal Basics of Christianity, Episode 31, Self-Harming, Miss Havisham Style. Malcolm and I have four children who were all born during the 80s. There was a great deal of happiness in our lives at that time, but also a great deal of sadness. Here are a few of the headlines from that time. 1980, my mum was diagnosed as having an aggressive form of skin cancer, malignant melanoma. 81, our first son was born, joy of joys. June 82, when our baby was seven months old, mum died aged 58. October 82, our second child died in utero when I was seven and a bit months pregnant. Malcolm's mum was diagnosed with breast cancer. 83, a daughter, more joy. Malcolm was made redundant. 84, my dad had a heart attack and surgery for vascular problems. Care of my maternal grandmother, who was a formidable lady, fell to me. 86, our second son was born, still more joy. 87, our baby was diagnosed as having cancer. It was a rare form of children's cancer, neuroblastoma, and the prognosis was not good. 88. Malcolm's dad had heart problems and was hospitalised. Our daughter, then four years old, had an accident that resulted in a complicated fracture of her leg. 89. Our second daughter was born, yet more joy. Our daughter, who was five by then, had further surgery on her leg when our youngest child was just a few weeks old. By this time, I was feeling a bit beaten up. Somewhere in it all, I was apportioning blame for my circumstances onto God. Even though we had had a wonderful Thanksgiving service, when we took it on faith that our son had been healed of the cancer, a little in advance of the medical profession agreeing with us, somehow, after that, I expected everything to go all right, but it continued to go wrong. My mind and my memory were so full of the details of the events that I've just outlined that I was incapacitated by them to the point of being almost paralysed emotionally and spiritually. My memory contained a film that I didn't like watching that would play in my mind at any opportunity and it was the film of the tragic episodes of that decade. So many things would start the film rolling. You know, when you're the mum of young children, it's very hard to avoid hearing other people's experiences of childbirth. I would sit and listen and smile politely, or frown, as appropriate, depending on the story. I was doing the I'm okay bit for the sake of external appearance, but in my mind, my own film would begin to roll. The memories around the delivery of our dead child had been triggered, and these memories in turn triggered memories of my mum's death and of the fits that she had when the cancer had reached her brain. The memories of mum's time in hospital triggered memories of paediatric wards that we had known, too many of them, and so the film would roll in my mind regularly, more often than daily. It was definitely a Certificate 18, and every time I watched it, I was wounded some more. You see, our unconscious minds cannot differentiate between an actual event and a memory. 
So wounding that can occur from reliving memories when we go over and over the events in our mind, that wounding is a very real one. The only valid reason we have as Christians to revisit any area of unhealed trauma or pain is in order to invite Jesus to heal it. Any other reason is effectively emotional self-harming. The other thing that this constant revisiting of trauma does is it causes us to become emotionally and spiritually frozen. When Malcolm and I first began full-time ministry, the majority of our time was given to coming alongside families with HIV-AIDS. One of the families that we supported was a single mom with two children whose ages and gender were the same as our numbers three and four. In fact, the little one was only a week different in age to our daughter. The little girl was HIV positive. I visited the family weekly to allow mum a break from the childcare, and I always found this visit particularly poignant and heartbreaking because the developmental difference between our two daughters was so very evident. The little girl died when she was four years old. We went to the funeral. First, the family and other mourners gathered at the family home, and we were a bit surprised to notice that a video camera was rolling there. It continued to roll, through the church service, at the graveside, and back at the house afterwards. After the funeral, every time we visited that grieving mother, she asked us if we would like to watch the video. That dear lady was stuck in her grief, and perhaps in an attempt to keep her daughter alive, she watched the video over and over. Every time she did so, she re-traumatised herself. When we continue to go over and over the painful events of the past, we effectively become stuck in time. Like Miss Havisham, the jilted bride in Dickens' Great Expectations, the cobwebs grow up around us. What was intended for good and for celebration, the feast, becomes rancid and mouldy, and we're frightened to let in the light, so we keep the curtains drawn in our own decaying, private world. God doesn't want us living in the past. It's not disloyal to be healed from the pain of loss and grief. God will not wipe our memories, but he frees us from the prison of grief and regret. The only moment we ever truly have is now. Don't live in the past.